So I love the month of May. Um, baby dedication, one week, celebrating graduations the next week, uh, just scares everybody in the whole room. Um, and uh, it's funny, last week, um, when we do baby, baby dedication, we have this jar of marbles that we give uh, to, to parents, and uh, the, the idea is that there's 936-ish weeks between birth and high school graduation. And uh, so we give a jar, this is like the most morbid thing ever, we give a jar with 936 marbles in it as kind of this reminder that, uh, that time is not unlimited. And uh, it, the funniest part of it was last week we gave that jar out uh, to all the, the parents with uh, new, young, fresh children. And, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and so I did some quick math. I pulled out my phone and did some quick math on my calculator and turned it to my wife and showed her the number 262 uh, to show her that that's the number of weeks we have left with our oldest. So before he graduates high school, 261 now, by the way, if you, it's just, just for you. Um, so yeah, I just, I like May because it just freaks everybody out. And, uh, and I guess it's good that we're starting this series, just a short two-week series called Remember, uh, because I think graduation is a great time of year uh, to remember, uh, to look back. We're all kind of nostalgic this time of year, those of us who have kids and attending open houses, and we see all the pictures. And so we're going to be talking about uh, what does it mean and what does the Bible say about remembering for these next couple weeks. So let's pray while we get started. God, uh, thank you. For all that you've done, thank you for all that you continue to do. Uh, And Father, I pray that you would help us never to forget uh, the things that are important in the past, the things that you've done and the ways that you've shown yourself to be good. Uh, It's in Jesus' name, amen. I've always had a pretty good memory. Uh, I could tell you, if you asked me later, I could tell you my schedule for the next three months or so uh, without having to look at anything. Um, I don't usually forget names or important dates either, and because of that, uh, I've never really kept a written calendar. I've never really kept a planner. I I had a Palm Pilot, and it was pretty much a paperweight from the very beginning. Um, And if anything, I'm a little too confident in my memory. I rely on it a little too much, and as I get older, I'm noticing that's getting me into trouble. Um... (laughs) It's been happening more and more where I'll I'll quote a movie line. My family loves movies, and I'll quote a line, and one of my kids will correct me. Um, And when I insist that I'm right, they look it up and prove me wrong. Um, Because Google is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) Because it was way easier when people didn't have the internet in their pocket, and I could just be right all the time. But now, no, they can look it up and and tell me that I'm wrong. You ever made it through like 90% of a movie before you realized, wait a minute, I've seen this movie. (laughs) That never used to happen to me, but that happens now. And it's, it's kind of crazy. And the worst thing is my memory's starting to get selective about the past. Like, I'm not forgetting whole things, but sometimes I'm, I'm remembering things wrong. Like, I'm remembering things that happened that didn't really happen that way. Um, and I blame my kids. I think it's, I think it's my kids' fault that that, that is happening to me. Um, when, when Seth was born, when my oldest son was born, Sarah and I basically didn't sleep for a year. Um, But then three years later, our son Ethan was born, and by the time Ethan was born, we had forgotten all of the sleepless nights, and we forgot the like four billion diapers we had to change, and we were left with just some vague memory of how rewarding it is to have a baby, right? And that's God's grace to parents so that you'll you'll have more children, so you won't just stop at one. And uh, and we kind of had this selective memory where we forget all the stuff that drove us crazy. Like, oh, wasn't that great? Not all of it. (laughs) No matter how good our memories are, sometimes we just remember things wrong. Sometimes we even forget things entirely, whole things. And 
I thought, honestly, I thought my memory was pretty good until Facebook started posting this time hop stuff. Have you guys seen this? Time hop on Facebook? This is like, I hate this stuff. This is the worst. Like where they remind you of something that you posted in the past. Have you ever seen one of those things and wondered which of your friends put it up and then realized like, wait, that was me from six years ago. (laughs) I put that up there. Just the other, I swear this is true. Just the other day I saw one and it took me a full minute to realize that it was a video of my own kids. I'm like, who are these kids? I don't know these kids. Why are you putting this on my page? And I'm like, oh, that's, those are my kids. They used to be a lot cuter, I guess, back in the day. <laughs> See, my oldest is in the sound booth today. So in the moment, in the moment, we always think that uh, we'll cherish these memories, we'll never forget them, and that's naive. Um, time passes and we move on, and if we're not careful, we forget things. It just, it just happens. Um, remembering only happens if we do it on purpose, if, if, we, if we are intentional about remembering things. Uh, that's why I've started to like funerals. Uh, I know that's a morbid thing to say, but it, it's one of the only times in our lives when we hit the pause button on our crazy life in order to very intentionally remember what was important about someone we love. Um, it's important to do that because we forget things quickly and we start remembering things incorrectly. And God knows how quickly we forget. He knows how quickly we move on. That's why in the Bible, he sets up feasts and holidays like Passover and Pentecost, like Christmas and Easter, where the the whole point of the day is to remember something. Uh, He commanded us to take a Sabbath day every week in order to rest and remember and reflect. And sometimes God goes out of his way. Uh, He goes out of his way to make sure that we don't forget something that he's done for us in the past. Um, so that it's easier for us to trust him in the future. Uh, And our story today from Joshua chapter three and four is one of those times. Uh, And so we're gonna be there in Joshua three and four uh, here in a minute. And as the story begins, the the Israelites are camped about six miles east of the Jordan River. Uh, And God had delivered them from slavery out of Egypt, but they disobeyed his instructions. They had to wander around in the desert for 40 years. And now here they are on the verge of finally entering the land that God had, excuse me, promised them all those years ago. And the spies had reported back. The people had moved their camp right up to the bank of the river. And indecision is in the air. Um, Is God going to keep his promise? How will God keep his promise? What's about to happen? So let's pick the story up. It's in Joshua chapter three. I'm gonna start in verse two. We're gonna jump around a little bit. Joshua chapter three, verse two. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Uh, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 200 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Um, Now jump down to verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the ark of the covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, where the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. 
So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. The Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's presence with his people. Uh, it, it, back in the Old Testament, the ark, where the ark went, God went. God's presence was connected to the ark. When Israel left Egypt, the ark went first. Uh, it led them through the wilderness. Uh, and now, it, it, now it's going to lead them into the promised land. Uh, Israel doesn't send the army in first uh, to clear the way and make everything safe. Uh, they go in with the priests uh, and with the presence of God leading them. Because they've never been there before. They don't know which way they're going. They don't know where to go. They need to rely on God to, to lead them to uh, where they need to go. They need to trust him. And this sets a pattern for their future. Israel needs to make sure not to get ahead of God. Uh, they need to make sure to follow God's lead uh, and depend on his presence in their lives. And so God's lead in this story has the priests carry the ark straight into the river, right to the middle of the Jordan, which was at flood stage, by the way. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, river at flood stage is uh, a little bit scary. And you think the priests had some questions for God in this? Like as Joshua is laying out this plan, um, they're like raising their hands in the back. I would be, right? Like, how far in the river are we going again? Because that's, that's kind of a deep river, uh, and, you know, and you realize it's at flood stage, right? And, and should maybe, I mean, you want us to carry the ark over our heads, like, so the ark doesn't get wet, or uh, you got any snorkels for us to, to, so we can breathe? Like, what's going to happen here? Um, and I would have questions. Beyond questions, I would have solutions, um, I, because that's who I am. I would have solutions like, yeah, God, that's not going to work. Instead, how about we like build a bridge, right? Like we've got lots of smart people here. We could build a bridge. It won't take that long or, or at least a raft. Like we could put the ark on the raft and kind of like ford the Jordan together um, and, because God's way doesn't make sense to me. That I, I look at this and God's like, yeah, just walk through the river. I'm like, yeah, that's um, not going to work. <laughs> you know, we need to do something different. God's way doesn't make sense to me, but God knows what he's doing. And God rewards the obedience of his people uh, by doing something amazing. As soon as the priest stepped in the water, uh, it stopped flowing. Now, I don't know how that happens. Um, that's crazy to me. Uh, verse 16 says that it piled up. Uh, that's something water doesn't do. I don't, I, that, does, that doesn't make any sense. It piled up in a heap uh, far away upstream. And the priest stood in the middle of the Jordan on, on dry ground. And it's interesting, that phrase, uh, piled up in a heap, uh, is very rare. In scripture, it only happens a couple other times, and the only other event that it's connected to is the Red Sea. Um, see, God's done something like this before, uh, and, and it uses the same language. That's no accident that, uh, that Joshua's connecting these two events. Um, what God started at the Red Sea, he will finish. Um, God finishes what he starts. He started this at the Red Sea. He delivered you, and he made a promise, and this is God finishing the promise. He's going to get you uh, to the place where he promised. So let's continue this story in, in uh, chapter four, right at the beginning here, because God makes sure, just like, uh, just like in the Red Sea, when God established Passover so that they would remember, they would never forget what God did and how he delivered them uh, uh, through the Red Sea, God is about to establish uh, another way here so that they'll never forget this either. Um, and so here we have in, in verse uh, one of chapter four, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, there's a lot of people by now, uh, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, uh, from right, right where the priests are standing, 
and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. You thought you were done crossing the river. You got to go back in there. Uh, Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. I don't know if they're there to this day, but they were there to the day uh, that Joshua was written. Um, So God commands Joshua to send uh, 12 guys back into this dried up river, carry 12 stones from the very spot where the priests are standing with the ark and to carry them all the way to Israel's next campsite, which is like awesome. Like those guys like, yeah, this is great. I gotta carry this big old rock because these aren't pebbles, right? Joshua says, or or God tells them to, to have them carry it on their shoulder. You don't carry a little tiny pebble on your shoulder. That's weird. They carry a big rock on your shoulder to support the weight. So they got these big rocks that they're gonna carry all the way to wherever their next campsite is. Uh, 12 stones for the 12 tribes of Israel, a sign for the whole nation. And in the Bible, there's a lot of signs. Uh, A sign in the Bible is a a visible object or or an action that you can see that points to something that you can't see. It's a visible object or a visible action that points to an invisible truth so that we remember something. Because a lot of times if it's out of sight, it's out of mind, right? And so we remember what we see, what we can see. And so in the Bible, God sets up lots of signs. A rainbow. After a flood, it reminds us that, that God made a promise never to, flood the, to, to destroy the entire earth with a flood again. Uh, a weekly Sabbath serves as a sign to remind us that we made a covenant with God, that we are living in, in a covenant, in, a, in an agreement with our Lord. Ten plagues that God sends to Egypt prove to Pharaoh that he's real uh, and he's powerful And he can do what he says he will do. Signs and memorials like this, they're important. And they're important for a few reasons. The first one is just the time and the effort that it takes to make one. Um, The the time and the effort that it it takes to create a memorial helps us remember how important the event was. Uh, When we devote time into something, when we devote resources into something, it helps us remember. This is graduation season, and I like going to open houses because I don't have to plan them. I just get to eat good food. Um, but the time and the resources that you spend putting into graduation open houses serve as a memorial to help you never forget uh, what, what, what went on here, uh, this, this event. The whole nation of Israel crossed the Jordan, but God makes these 12 guys go all the way back. It seems inconvenient. All the way back to the middle of the river to carry these big stones out to their next campsite while all the, whole, all the people watch them, which is also kind of awkward, right? My, my wife likes to scrapbook, and I don't have the patience for it, to be honest, at all. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the, the creativity or the attention to detail to display pictures in that way, but uh, I appreciate being able to look back at our lives uh, in such a meaningful way. And, uh, and the time and effort 
that she puts into uh, our memories, into, into the pictures uh, of things that are important to us, make them even more meaningful. Um, and so the time and effort uh, make things more meaningful. Another, another thing that signs and memorials do is provide proof of authenticity, proof that the thing actually happened. Um, in college, I worked at a store in the mall uh, that sold comic books and autographed sports collectibles, and everything we had in the store came with a certificate of authenticity to prove that uh, it was real, that this autograph wasn't a forgery, that it actually happened, and, and it was genuine. See, God didn't have these guys grab just any 12 stones. Um, it wasn't just 12 random rocks and set them up and that'll help us remember. They went to the river. They went to the middle while the river, while the water was still piled up and got stones from the middle of the river uh, as, as a way to demonstrate that this really happened. These stones didn't come from around the river or near the camp. These stones came from the middle of the Jordan River and they didn't scuba dive for them. They pulled them out dry. Um, this thing really happened. It wasn't some exaggeration, uh, it's history. And the other reason I think that, that memorials like this are valuable is the effect that they can have on future generations. Um, this, this story talks about that, right? When your children and grandchildren see this pile of, of big stones, their curiosity is gonna cause them to ask you what it means. And, and it's gonna give you the chance to explain the significance of what happened in the past. I saw this at work. I saw the power of memorials uh, firsthand last summer. I took my family on a vacation around the East Coast. Um, I've prepared a slideshow. Uh, when we visited Washington, D.C., uh, we saw memorials to, to Lincoln and Washington and Jefferson and Roosevelt, um, and they prompted conversations. They prompted conversations about how great, how these great leaders impacted our world, about what actually happened in history uh, that's changed our world today. I didn't prepare lessons. I, did, I didn't, you know, have all these notes that I, I went over about the Liberty Bell or Constitution Hall. I just answered the questions my kids asked when we got to Philadelphia, and they saw them. What's the deal with this big bell? Why is there a huge crack in it, <laughs> right? I just answered the questions. We walked the Freedom Trail in Boston, talked about the Boston Tea Party. We talked about what caused the Revolutionary War. Uh, we talked about uh, the, the disagreement on both sides over whether or not we should go to war. And, and, and we, I mean, we visited cemeteries and monuments and battlegrounds and churches and everywhere we went, my kids wanted to know what happened here. See, I didn't have to force this on them. I didn't have to force a history lesson down their throat. They were genuinely interested to know, why is this huge monument here? What is this about? What happened here that, that we, we did this thing to, to make this thing so important? And I'll tell you, my boys learned more about the history of this country in those two weeks than they have in the two years leading up to that trip. And it's because memorials and monuments and physical remembrances are significant and important. It was all because someone took the time and effort to, to create memorials so that we would never forget the true things that happened in our past. So that we would uh, realize the lasting impact that those things have today and, and into the future. That those, there are things that happen in history that change the world forever and we can't allow ourselves to forget them. And when we take the time to set up memorials of the things that God has done in our past, it leads us to trust him with our future. 
That's the end game here. Look at the, the, the end of this story, the way this story ends in Joshua chapter 4, down in verse 19. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And those dudes carried the stones all the way. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you'd crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the people of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. When we take the time to remember what God has done in the past, it leads us to give him the credit he deserves. A lot of times we revise history and we, we, put our, we make ourselves the stars of it, that we did this. And uh, when, we, when we take the time to, to set up these memorials, we give God credit. Uh, we learn to fear God. Uh, to fear God, the Bible talks about this a lot, just means to, to hold him in the highest respect uh, and to act accordingly. To, to act as if it's really true that God is worthy. So whenever Israel sees these stones, whenever a child asks about them and an adult answers, they remember the power of God and they're amazed all over again at what God has done for us in the past. And here's the thing, I'm pretty sure that I'm not the only one in this room that has difficulty remembering things. In, In one way or another, we all have a tendency to forget. I I think part of the problem is the amount of things that we have to remember. Um, we cram lots of information into our brains. The, the things that we learn in school, uh, things that we read about, things that we hear in the news, uh, social security numbers, PIN numbers. Forgot my PIN number, by the way. I gotta get that taken care of at the bank. We got like 100 variations of internet passwords, right? Because the internet keeps demanding that we change our password and you can't use the same one you used before. How do we remember all the passwords? right? And important dates like, like birthdays and anniversaries and song lyrics and movie lines and lock combinations. There's just this endless stream of information that we cram into our brains. And beyond that, everything in life seems urgent. Everything in life just competes for our attention all the time. And we feel obligated to offer our opinions to everyone, right? Whether it's in person or online, you need to hear what I think about this And we spend our days like firefighters answering one alarm bell after another and going from one crisis to the next. And this constant bombarding of information and urgency and worthy causes leads us feeling like our life is hopelessly cluttered and full. But Joshua takes time to gather 12 big stones so so that future generations would stop. Just for a minute, stop to remember the unstoppable power of a God who saved them over and over again. So here's the question. What has God done in your life that's worth remembering? What's he done? What's he done in your life that's worth remembering? How will you make sure that you never forget? How will you make sure you never forget what God has done? And there's a lot of stuff that's worth remembering. I want to throw out three three things in particular that are for sure worth remembering. It's worth remembering what God has done throughout history. 
A lot of this is before, before our time. A lot of this wasn't in my life, uh, what God has done throughout history, but it's still worth remembering. And the best way to do this is by reading the Bible on a regular basis and, and reflecting on the things that God did and the way that God's actions show us who he is and what he's about. Read about how God delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. Read about how he, he guided Israel before they had a king about how he never gave up on his people throughout all the Old Testament, even though his people gave up on him over and over and over again. Because our world has very little interest in the past. We're all about what's next. But it's important that we keep the past alive in our minds. The, the things that God has done in the past, they're not some elaborate fiction. It's not Star Wars. It's not an Avengers movie, right? This is stuff that actually happened. This is actual history, and, and history needs to be remembered uh, if we're going to learn anything from it. Now, it's also worth remembering what God has done to rescue us from our sin and from death by sending his son Jesus as the perfect sacrifice to die on the cross in our place. That's absolutely worth remembering. And one of the main ways we do that, one of the main ways we, re we remember that is with the practice of communion. Like Joshua, after crossing the Jordan, Jesus went out of his way to set up a, a lasting memorial to make sure that we would never forget his death and what it means. Every week we take communion near the end of our worship service to remember uh, our rescue so that we never forget that we need Jesus. We can't save ourselves. We need to remember how much we need Jesus. And I think the third area would be that, that I think it's also worth remembering our own personal history with God. It's worth remembering the stories that mark the turning points in, in, in your own salvation, in your own spiritual journey. It's important to remember the way that you came to faith in Jesus, the way he healed you of, of an illness, the times when he guided you to make important decisions, how he's protected you from danger, how he walked with you through a dark time of depression, how he delivered you from addiction. These times need to be remembered so that we understand what it means to be in a relationship with God. A relationship with a God that we can't see, who does things in our lives that we very much can see. And our stories might not have the power of biblical events, but they're memorable because they're ours, because they, they happen to us. And, and our stories remind us that the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who stopped the Jordan River, that God still does amazing things today in the lives of his people. How do I know? Because he's done amazing things in my life. And those things are worth remembering. So how do we make sure we never forget? How do we make sure we keep, we keep remembering the things that are worth remembering? I would suggest that you, you find your own version of Joshua's 12 stones. Um, if you want to grab 12 huge rocks and set them up in your yard, that would work, I suppose. But find your own version of Joshua's stone, some, some visible sign, something that you can see that will help you remember. Um, it, it should be something that reminds you of what God has done in your life every time you see it. It wasn't 12 random stones. It was 12 stones from the river that God stopped up. Um, and you should keep it in a place where you see it a lot. I mean, don't, don't hide it away because what good is it if you never actually see it? You should keep it in a place where you, you see it a lot. I think it's interesting that, that these stones at this altar didn't have a, a plaque or an engraving uh, to explain their meaning, um, and that caused children to ask questions that gave parents a chance to tell a story and give God the credit, and, and I think our memorial should do the same thing. 
Uh, I know some people who have a, a souvenir in their home from a, a place where they served on a mission trip. Uh, they brought something back, uh, they set it up in their house, it's interesting, maybe it doesn't fit the rest of the decoration, and people are like, hey, what's that thing? Well, let me tell you about what God did when I was in Mexico. Other people hang a piece of artwork that reminds them of something God did in their life a long time ago. Some people get a, a tattoo on their body when God does something worth remembering. I've seen weddings uh, that have uh, unity candles uh, or sand or, or some other symbol uh, that, that can be made into a lasting memorial that the couple keeps in their home long after the ceremony is done uh, to point to something, to point to a commitment uh, that they made to one another before God. Um, I, I mentioned we, we gave out jars of marbles just last week to, at baby dedication as a sign, as a symbol, as a memorial, as a way to remember uh, a morbid truth that the time that you have with your children until they are adults is not unlimited. So what will you do? I was baptized when I was 10 years old. And uh, I didn't fully, you might hear the thumping. We're gonna have a baptism here in a little bit. Um, I was baptized when I was 10 and I didn't fully understand the significance of what I was doing at 10 years old, but I did understand that it was important. It felt like a big deal. Uh, that it was, and it was a big decision. Um, and I'm not sure what I expected, but I remember being disappointed that when I came up out of the water, I didn't really feel any different. Um, I think that's part of the danger of relying on, just on feelings because like, oh, I don't feel different. How come God didn't do anything in my life? I didn't really feel any different, but I knew that I should be different. I thought something, something about me should be changed, but I felt the same. Uh, my, my feelings hadn't really changed, so I made a decision. My, my 10-year-old self made a decision. From that day on, I would stop eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. No more. I didn't think they were like sinful or anything. I wasn't kind of trying to make some kind of like theology statement, but, but I, I just thought, uh, you know, my, my 10-year-old mind came up with this, this, this thing that might help me remember that I made a commitment to God today that I would live differently than, than I used to. Something should be different. And I know that's silly, but 27 years later, um, I was baptized in May. It's, we're coming up on actually the anniversary of my baptism. 27 years later, I've never eaten a peanut butter and jelly sandwich again. And you know, that's become, a, it was something back then that was just like silly. And as I got older, I'm like, no, I'm going to hang on to this. It's become a lasting reminder to me that God has called me to be different than I used to be. Every time I think, oh, you know what would be good right now? Peanut butter and jelly. I think, oh, God has called me to be different. It's a lasting reminder in my life. God did this all throughout Scripture. In 1 Samuel, there's this time that, that God intervened and he gave Israel victory over a Philistine army. And Samuel t takes this big stone and he names it Ebenezer, uh, which in Hebrew means stone of help, uh, right? That God, God has helped us win this battle. Uh, whenever anybody saw it, they remembered what happened. They remembered how God helped them in their time of need, and it renewed their faith that God would continue to help his people. So, ask yourself, what is it in my life right now that's worth remembering, and how will I make sure that I never forget it? Pray with me. God, Remembering seems like such a simple thing. 
Uh, it feels like something that should just happen, that we shouldn't have to put a lot of energy and effort into it. But uh, the, the longer I live, the more I realize that, that just remembering things isn't uh, the most natural thing. That, that, that God, we need your help. We need your guidance uh, to remember. And so, Father, help us remember. Uh, help us remember the things that you've done throughout history, the things that you've done uh, in our very lives. Help us to, to remember the thing that you did on the cross when you sent your only son, Jesus, as a sacrifice to pay for the sins that we could never pay for. God, help us remember this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and, and sing a song to respond to God. Um, I'd love to pray with you if you'd like to pray with someone this morning as we sing this song. Thank you.